0: There are few things in life that are worse than being lost. To be in an unfamiliar place and have absolutely no idea how to get to your destination can be not only frustrating, but it is also intimidating. Maybe you've been lost before, lost on the road or maybe lost in the woods. Maybe you've been hiking and you just got turned around and couldn't get your bearings straight and you couldn't figure out how to get back to your campsite and and you were lost. And it, it is an intimidating and a frightening experience no matter how old we are. My name is John Redmond and today on Peace by Believing we're going to be thinking about what it's like to be lost. The fact is there are two categories of people in the world. And no, I'm not talking about Democrats and Republicans. I'm talking about saved people and lost people. Those who have received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and those who never have. And for those who've never been saved, the Bible uses the word lost to describe their condition. And that is such a vivid word because all of us can relate to being lost. We know the feeling on one level or another. Now, what I know is this, every person listening to this broadcast today is either saved or lost. And if you're saved, I'm praying that God would use this program today to motivate you and to encourage you to do a better job of sharing Christ with your lost friends. And if you're listening to the broadcast today and you say, well, I'm not sure that I'm saved. I I guess that means I'm lost. I'm praying that this service today, this program today, would help you to understand what it's like to be lost and how you can be found, how you can be saved. And so I want to thank you for listening. And I just pray the program will be a blessing to you today. Why did Jesus Christ leave heaven and come to this earth to begin with? And so, let's open our Bibles tonight to the Gospel of Luke in chapter number 19. And I want us tonight to let Jesus answer that question. This is Jesus' mission statement, Jesus' purpose statement. Here in our church, our mission statement, our purpose statement is very simple. It is simply this, to know Christ and to make Him known. That's our purpose statement. I think we should say that together. Ready? To know Christ and to make him known. We are here, first and foremost, so that we could know Christ personally and intimately and well ourselves. That's the first reason we're here. The Apostle Paul said from that Roman prison that I may know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. And so we are on this earth, not only in this church, we are on this earth to know Christ, but not just that, to make him known. Now, in Luke chapter 19, Jesus gives us his purpose statement, his mission statement, and he does it for us in verse number 10, where he says these familiar words, for the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Now, I know I'm having us repeat things more out loud than I normally do, but that's so good and that's so short, we need to just say that. Look at it again. Let's just read it out loud. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. And so, Jesus said, here's why I came. I came to seek and I came to save that which was lost. People who do not have a personal relationship with God. People whose sins have never been forgiven. People who, if they died in the condition they're in, would go to hell. People who are unsaved, unregenerated, and who are living outside of the family of God. Jesus said, that's why I came. I came to seek and to save that which was lost. Now, in the first nine verses of this chapter, we have a beautiful example of Jesus doing just that. We find Jesus seeking and saving someone who was lost. And this someone was a man named Zacchaeus. Now, most of us have been hearing about Zacchaeus for a long time. We learned in vacation Bible school that Zacchaeus was a wee little man. And a wee little man was he, and he climbed up in that for the Lord he wanted to see. And I was going to quote the second verse, and I can't remember it. But uh, there's more to that song than that. But that's the main thing. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he, and he climbed up in that sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And yet Zacchaeus, as he climbed up that sycamore tree, was an unsaved man. And when he came down that sycamore tree, he was saved. In fact, Zacchaeus, I believe, was saved when he took his first step down that tree. That's when he answered the Lord's invitation, and that's when he received Jesus Christ to be his Lord and to be his Savior. But let's just read this story. Luke 19, beginning in verse number 1. Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. So he ran ahead and he climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and he saw him and said to him, now watch Jesus call him by name, Zacchaeus. Make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. So he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. But when they saw it, they all complained, saying, He has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor. And if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because he also is a son of Abraham. And here's our verse, for the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. And so Zacchaeus was the lost man in this story. He was the person that Jesus came to save. He was the primary reason, as we saw with blind Bartimaeus last Sunday night, that Jesus passed through Jericho on his way to Jerusalem. Why? Because Jesus was seeking lost people. He sought He healed his blindness. He saved his soul. He sought Zacchaeus and he saved his soul. And so Zacchaeus represents those who are lost. This man Zacchaeus represents literally thousands of people living in our community who are lost. He represents millions of people who live in our country who are lost. Zacchaeus represents billions of people living in our world who are lost are lost. Now that word lost is a descriptive word. It's so descriptive that uh there's this television show that's been called that lost now just the word lost if you've ever been driving somewhere hiking somewhere and you've lost your bearings and you've gotten turned around and it dawned on you i am lost i don't know where i am i don't know where i'm going i don't know how to find my way that's the word that the bible used to describe an unsaved person that person is lost i think sometimes we in the church are hard on people unsaved people who aren't maybe acting like they should act or doing what they should do. Sometimes we in the church expect a lost person to act like a saved person, but they can't do it because a lost person is lost. Now, just from the verses that we have read about this man, we learned some interesting things that wouldn't, all of these would not necessarily apply to every lost person. They certainly wouldn't. But some of these would apply to most lost people, and some of them might apply to some people here tonight. You, you are religious. You believe in God. You respect the church. You are good to people. You are honest. And yet, from a spiritual perspective, you are lost. You're not sure where you're going. You're not sure what will happen after you die. So let's just kind of dissect a little bit, at least the condition of Zacchaeus, and learn something about lost people. First of all, we learn that he was a very successful man. Look at the end of verse number two. It says, and he was rich. He was rich. And so he was a very successful man. Just because a person is successful, that doesn't mean he's saved. That doesn't mean he's living under the full favor of God. And just because a a person is poor and from our perspective unsuccessful, uh, that doesn't mean that that person is lost. So we see here a man who was very rich he was very successful, and yet he was lost. Not only was he successful, but we learn that he was an unloved person. If you look at the phrase right before, and he was rich, it says that Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector. Now, this is tax season right now. I bet none of you have sent your CPA flowers, or candy, or a cookie, or anything like that. Well, because... We, even our CPAs, my CPA is one of my dear friends, and, and I, I think highly of him. I've known him for over 20 years, and yet there's something about going to meet with your CPA to do your taxes and figure all that out. That's not a pleasant experience. Well, that was Zacchaeus. He was not only a tax collector, he was a chief tax collector. He had under him other people who were tax collectors, and what made this man so unloved as opposed to my CPA and hopefully your CPA, is that he was dishonest. And most all of the tax collectors in Bible times were dishonest. In fact, I read one time that there was a statue that was erected in Israel. And at the bottom of it, it said, this statue has been erected in honor of the honest tax collector. There's evidently only one, so they made up a statue and they built it. Everybody else was ripping the people off. And so Zacchaeus, although he had a lot of money, he was not very loved, he was not very popular because he had money at the people's expense. And then something else, and I don't want to make more out of this than is there, but I think there's an argument that could be made that Zacchaeus was self-conscious. In verse 3, at the end of the verse, it says, he was of short stature. And so sometimes a person who is unusually short, or maybe a person who is unusually tall, or maybe a person who has some other physical situation, or maybe a person who has committed some sin in the past, or maybe a person who is involved in a lifestyle of sin now, they are very self-conscious when it comes to God and the church. And sometimes you'll talk to this person about the Lord and you'll invite this person to come to church and they'll say something like this to you. They'll say, Oh, if I came to church, the roof would fall in on it. And you've probably heard people say that. And I've heard people say, Oh, man, if I came to church, I think the roof would just fall in. Well, why do they say that? Because they are self conscious, probably more by the way they have lived or something that's happened in their life, even by their physical appearance. And so, So many of us have been saved for so long that we have forgotten what it's like to be lost. We have forgotten how intimidating it can be to come to church and everybody's singing songs they know, and yet these new people don't know the songs, and everybody's talking to everybody they know, and the new people feel like, well, I don't know these people, and I don't know how they do things around here. And so lost people, unsaved people, are frequently very self-conscious when it comes to the Bible or God or church. And we need to understand that. And something else about Zacchaeus we learn is that he was empty. He had an emptiness in his heart and he was searching for something to fill that emptiness. Again, in verse four, it says, so he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see Jesus for he was going to pass that way. Now, even though he was dishonest, And even though he would have been despised and certainly unloved, Zacchaeus had a high-ranking position. And typically somebody who had his position would not do something so undignified as to climb a tree And to go out on a branch or out on a limb to see Jesus. You wouldn't think of somebody in that position doing something like that. But the reason he did that is because he had an emptiness in his heart. He was searching for something. He knew there was more to life than what he had found. And a few hundred years later, it would have been Zacchaeus, I mean, it would have been Augustine who described, Augustine, one of the greatest theologians in church history, who described how Zacchaeus was feeling when Augustine once prayed this prayer to God. He said, God, you have made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless until we find our rest in you. And so tonight, as you have come to this service, you have done the right thing. You have come to a church service on a Sunday night, and yet if you are lost, you are sitting there thinking, John, you are describing me. Zacchaeus is representing me. I feel on the one hand successful, and yet on the other hand, I feel unloved. I feel like nobody fully understands what it's like to be me. That's how Zacchaeus felt. And some of you tonight are probably thinking, and I feel so self-conscious because I don't know the songs and I don't know where, I don't have a Bible and I don't know, I've never heard, y'all are all talking about the song about Zacchaeus being a wee little man and I've never heard that song. And you're thinking tonight, well, what's wrong with me? Or some have come in here tonight, and, and maybe you've come out of a, or you're in a, 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 a season of sin or a lifestyle of sin, and, and you came in here tonight thinking, oh, God, I hope the building doesn't collapse on me And you're feeling that self-consciousness and you have that emptiness, you have that longing. Tonight, as I'm standing up here talking, as you sit in your pew, there is an emptiness in your heart that you have been unable to feel. Money hasn't filled it, relationships haven't filled it, jobs haven't filled it, positions haven't filled it, trips, money, cars, houses haven't filled it. There's still something missing in your life, and tonight you, like Zacchaeus, would say if Jesus would pass through, I would climb a tree, I would climb a ladder, I would do anything so that I could have this empty place in my heart filled You woke up with it. You've had it all day. You've had it all your life. And you've tried everything to fill that emptiness, and yet nothing has done it. Well, that's how Zacchaeus felt. And he, I believe, was so frustrated with all of his attempts to fill that empty place in his life that he said, I've heard about this man Jesus. I heard that a few days ago in Bethany, he raised a dead man to life. And if he can raise the dead, maybe he can fill this emptiness Maybe he can fill this void in my heart. Maybe he can forgive me for all the people I've cheated and all the people I've done wrong. Maybe this Jesus who has healed blind eyes, maybe this man can give me a new beginning. Maybe I don't have to keep being a hated man and a despised man and a crooked and a dishonest man. And maybe in Jesus, I can have this empty place filled And so he climbed up on that tree, he went out on that limb, and here was Jesus, and he's looking at Jesus, and he's thinking, maybe, just maybe, this is the one who can solve my problem and who can meet my need. And tonight, some of you can relate to Zacchaeus, and that's why you're here. Some came tonight, and probably most came tonight, just because we have Sunday night church and it's the the right thing to do, but I believe there are others who came here tonight Not so much for that reason. You came here tonight saying, maybe, just maybe, if I'll go to church tonight, somehow in the service, either through a song or something that the preacher says or somebody there, somebody can help me know how I can have my sins forgiven and how I can have this empty place in my life filled. And friend, tonight, I'm the one saying, only Jesus Christ can fill that emptiness in your heart. Only Jesus Christ can forgive those sins. Only Jesus Christ can give you a new beginning and make you clean and change your life. And that's what he did for Zacchaeus. Now, let's look in verse 5 because the first four verses, we have Zacchaeus now up in a tree in the condition I've just described. In verse 5, though, hope has arrived. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and he saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, Make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. And so what did Jesus do? He confronted Zacchaeus. And he said to Zacchaeus, by the fact that he called his name, I know you. And not just do I know your name. When, when Jesus looked at Zacchaeus, it says he, he saw him and then he called his name. Zacchaeus would have known this man, whom I've never even met, There's something about this man, his eyes, the way he's looking at me, the tone of voice, the fact that he knows my name, the fact that he's telling me what to do. He is the one who can help me and can forgive me and can fill this empty place in my life. And so Jesus confronted him and he said, come down for today I must stay at your house. It's interesting. This is the only place in all the New Testament where Jesus invited himself to somebody else's house. There are other places where people said, Jesus, come to my house. But here, Jesus invited himself. Verse 6 is Zacchaeus' salvation. So he made haste and came down and received Jesus gladly or joyfully. And that is when he was saved. Well, Zacchaeus was saved the moment he came down from that sycamore tree to Jesus. Let me ask you a question today. Has there ever been a time when you were saved? Has there been a time in your life when you came to Jesus Christ confessing your sins, asking Him to save you and to come into your heart and make you a Christian? If you've never done that, we want to give you an opportunity right now to pray a prayer where you can receive Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior. The Bible says, all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so, no matter where you may be today listening to this broadcast, if you would like to do what Zacchaeus did, and that is leave the place where you are and come to Jesus, then we want to help you do that today. Would you just pray this prayer? Say, Dear Jesus, I have sinned, and I am sorry for everything I've done wrong. I ask you to come into my heart, forgive me for those sins, and make me a Christian. I ask you to save me, and I trust you to do it. Welcome to my heart, Jesus. Thank you that you'll never leave me. Begin now to make me the person that you want me to be, is my prayer in your name. Amen. And friend, if you prayed that prayer, I want to just congratulate you. Today is the day of your salvation. Jesus Christ has just come to live in your heart. And you know what? Jesus wants to do with you what he did with Zacchaeus on the day that Zacchaeus was saved. He wants to go home with you. He wants to go to work with you. He wants to go to the ball game with you. He wants to go on that trip with you. He wants to go with you wherever you're going and He wants to be with you every moment of every day. And In fact, He will be because He assures us, He promises us in the Bible that once He comes to live in our heart, He will never leave us and He will never forsake us. And So today is a big day for you and I want to just say congratulations. Also want to encourage you today, if you have never visited our website, take just a few moments, even now, even today sometime, and just check out our website. The address is peacebybelieving.org. PeaceByBelieving.org. And on that website, we have several resources. If you'll click on the tab that says Spiritual Growth, you'll find some booklets that I have written on various topics that uh, hopefully will apply to you, and some of them would be helpful to you. I have one, for example, that is called Riding Out the Storms of Life. There's another booklet on there called Never Alone. There's another booklet called how to make heaven your home. And today, if you just prayed to receive Jesus Christ, I would encourage you to just uh, read that booklet because it would just reinforce the sermon you've just heard, and it will reinforce the decision that you have made to give your heart to Jesus Christ. There are lots of booklets on there. We've got one about angels, one about the 23rd Psalm, one about what happens at the moment of death. And so if you would take a few minutes today And visit our website again, peacebybelieving.org. I think it would be a good use of your time. You'll also find that we have uh, archived sermons that you can listen to as a podcast. And I think they would be a blessing to you on lots of different topics. And so peacebybelieving.org is how you can get to our website. And on that website, if you'll scroll down to the bottom, you'll find a section that says contact us And if this program today has been a blessing to you, if today you gave your heart to Jesus Christ, we would sure love to hear from you because we want to pray for you. We want to celebrate your decision and we want to help you any way we can in your relationship with Jesus Christ. We have just put out a new booklet at our church that's not on our webpage, but if you'll contact us, we'd be glad to mail it to you. The name of the new booklet is 31 Timeless Truths. 31 Timeless Truths for Victorious Christian Living. And what it is, it's a devotional book, and it is a fresh thought for each day of the month. And so there are 31 days in most months, and so we have 31 truths that will help you and that will encourage you on various topics from salvation to sin to worry to death to the second coming of Christ to obeying God to forgiving others— all different manners of topics on there, uh, and I just think it'll be a blessing to you. So again, our website is peacebybelieving.org. Scroll down to the bottom. Find the section that says contact us and just click on that. Send us a little email. Tell us today that you received Jesus as your Savior. Tell us that you're praying for us. Ask us to pray for you. We're just trying to create some kind of a contact some form of communication between us and the listener. I want to thank you for listening today. I hope you'll have a great week. Hope you'll be with us next time on Peace by Believing.